0: Hello and welcome to the second episode of Octane 101 Podcast. I am Akshay. And I am Sayan. And now that we are at the second episode, I am sure we are here to stay.
1: Yep, not going anywhere. In this episode, we are going to talk about CES 2020. Surprising, right? We are talking about car tech uh, in an electronics show. Right, until a couple of years
0: ago, CES used to be all about gaming consoles and TVs and everything like that. But it seems that now car companies are sort of dominating the scene. Like pretty much all the major stories that we read around CES were about cars and the car technologies.
1: And this year's edition was all about electric cars and driverless technology rather than 8K televisions. Isn't it funny? Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: So uh, I think let's start it off. Uh, What do you want to talk about first? Sony Vision S concept car. That was for me the highlight of the Expo. Yeah, I mean it was
0: rather weird, Sony coming out with a car. You would expect Sony to come out with a new gaming console, which they did by the way. But also TVs and cameras and all of that, but absolutely
1: not a car. The surprise faces proved it all right. So yeah, Sony Vision S, call it a concept, call it a prototype, um, but it got a lot of flack for its design because how similar it looks to the Tesla Model S.
0: Actually, I, I felt the rear looked a bit like Porsche as well. I don't know, everyone is apparently seeing different cars in that car.
1: So, uh, the design is not that important because Sony has said it's still not interested in making cars. Uh, it's just their vision about electric cars in the future. And uh, they, all they wanted to show is the technology they can come up with coming few years. Yet, they came up with a fully functional car. It's it's not a still concept that doesn't work. It, completely works and uh, Sony went to Magna, uh, the company that builds a lot of cars for many manufacturers and Supra is one of them, Toyota Supra. Uh, It's an electric car, it works, it rolls and uh, it has got two electric motors, 200 kilowatt uh, on each axle and uh, Sony says it has got a 273 mile range. Wow, that is, I would say, a
0: lot of effort into making a car for something that, say, they're not going to make.
1: Exactly, exactly. That's a a prototype yet. Uh, The specifications they quoted were, like, pretty interesting. Better than Taycan, at at least as far as the range goes.
0: Yeah, right. There has been a lot of controversy around the the range of Porsche Taycan, apparently,
1: in the US. Everything about it. Like, Taycan is a proper electric sports car, but the... Electric range is dismal. Dismal. I mean, every publication which has been testing it uh, lately, they have the performance of the car is amazing, astonishing. But uh, the range is really bad.
0: Uh, I guess you're moving away from the topic now. You were talking about the Sony car, not the Porsche Taycan.
1: That's right. That's right. Anyway, coming back to the Sony car. So the innovations Sony displayed or showcased on the car was basically in-car entertainment. And... Uh, A suit of sensors basically which they have cameras uh, which can help in autonomous driving so basically they're sticking with tesla's idea of using only camera sensors for uh, autonomous driving rather than using lidar and uh, the other thing is that so they said they're not going to make cars right they're not interested in producing cars so basically they are uh, positioning themselves as uh, suppliers oem suppliers to manufacturers for who are looking to build cars with autonomous driving
0: So while we're at the topic of uh, autonomous driving based on camera sensors,
1: I would actually like to talk about Mobileye and what they showcased at this CES. Isn't it the same company which used to make autopilot for Tesla until like 2016?
0: Yeah, right. It is exactly the same company. So back then, Mobileye was the supplier for this tech for not just Tesla, but a lot of other companies as well. In fact, BMW and many others were using their technology for their, like, Tesla was calling it autopilot, but basically a glorified cruise control system back then. And it was ba- relying on the camera, camera sensors only majorly. But at that point, they parted ways. Tesla and Mobileye parted ways, uh, when one of the Teslas got involved in a crash and a man lost his life. They didn't say they are parting ways because of the incident. But Tesla basically claimed that Mobileye was slowing them down by supporting all the other manufacturers who aren't as fast as Tesla. And Mobileye was not agreeing with Tesla's school of thought.
1: And after the split, Tesla is basically working on the tech on their own. Right, right.
0: But anyway, the the reason I wanted to talk about Mobileye is because they have showcased, they, they actually showcased a video of their autonomous system of a car driving through jerusalem and it was a crowded road as shown in the video and according to them the car was driving on its own relying on data just from 12 cameras no laser sensors no
1: lidars just cameras
0: just visual input
1: and that's very impressive right because as human drivers we rely on a lot of other sensors not just our visual feedback that we get but also the engine vibrations and other conditions And just the suit of cameras doing it is amazing. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And they claim that they're using these 12 cameras to sort of function like our eyes. Uh, They're using the 2D data coming from these cameras to create 3D models on the fly and using that to navigate.
1: And Elon Musk has uh, stuck to the point that camera sensors is all you need for autonomous driving, even level 4 autonomous driving where you don't need human supervision
0: right i i think a couple of years ago he he went as far as to say that anyone else relying on lidars and uh, lasers is uh, doomed in in the future of and they, they they simply want to do it based on cameras only
1: well, other companies don't seem to agree with that especially google which is still working on lidar and uh, spending a lot of money on it yeah and google is clocking
0: millions of miles on on their uh, multiple driverless cars
1: So LiDAR is basically laser-assisted radar system and you might have seen it on a lot of prototype cars uh, with those pfc light bucket systems on on their roof. And uh, it uses a suit of different sensors to map out the environment around it. And seemingly, it works better than cameras alone.
0: Yeah, actually, in theory, it makes sense because with cameras... We are relying on software to actually use the data from 2D images or 2D visuals to create a 3D picture while a lidar is constantly mapping the, the space around a car. Plus, uh, as many claim, lidars don't have as much of a visibility challenge as it is with camera like in in difficult driving conditions many other claims that a lidar will be, be better at driving a car better at mapping out the space around a car compared to multiple cameras doing the same job so in theory it sounds like everyone should be using lidars and cameras both simply to have redundancies and to have a good quality mapping system for a for an autonomous
1: driving experience right but there are two issues against it. Basically, there are two issues. One is, A, it looks really ugly. You've got a massive setup on the top of your roof. And B, uh, the whole setup is very pricey. But as far as the price goes, the thing is, there are companies which are working on it and trying to bring down the price. And there are two companies, basically, Velabit and uh, Luminar. And Velabit, in CES 2020, they showcased a setup, a LIDAR setup, which they say is priced at about $1,000. That's quite cheap for a manufacturer to put it in a of production car.
0: Yeah, I
1: think even if someone is buying a car and in a market like US where the average car price is
0: $25,000, I think $1,000 seems like a fair addition to the price. It is not very steep.
1: Uh, yet, even with all of that, we are still quite a few years away from fully autonomous driving. I mean, in 2016, 2017, if I remember, we were promised of level 4 autonomous driving by 2020 and i don't think it's anywhere near yeah where is my driverless car ford no it's i i i don't think so we're at least five six seven years away from it now it seems nobody's claiming timelines anymore so this is all in the future and let's talk about the technology which we can see in our cars now
0: okay so i have an interesting one for that i would like to talk about sun visors so, I think from absolutely cheap cars like Tata Nano to Maruti Alto to all the way up to S-Class and XC90s, the Visor is more or less the same. And it has not changed in the last, what, 100 years? Uh, yeah, probably almost that. But now it seems Bosch is trying to mess up with this structure. They have come up with a new Sunvisor. Which I believe was also awarded the best innovation at CES. so what what they're basically doing is replacing the sun visor with a LCD, which remains transparent at all times, but it uses cameras to identify where the sun is and where your face is. So, Using this, they simply darken certain parts of the transparent LCD to block out just the sun. And as a tall driver who hasn't been able to use a sun visor in my entire life, I'm very much looking forward to it. That's a smart piece of
1: technology,
0: right? Right, absolutely. And uh, I, I think in a, in a couple of years, we'll probably see aftermarket visors
1: that we can put on our existing cars like this. And uh, another interesting piece of technology that was showcased at CES was hybrid rear-view mirror. Uh, this uh, technology was developed with uh, in partnership with Gentex. And what basically it does is, see, in countries like US, there are regulations that you can't use just cameras for rear-view mirrors. Uh, like audi e-tron it basically uses cameras for uh, wing mirrors as wing mirrors but in the us uh, you need to have wing mirrors traditional wing mirrors and in-cabin rear view mirror so basically what this uh, hybrid setup does is it has cameras two cameras on the wing mirrors and one on the roof and uh, the rear view mirror which you have inside the cabin is basically a lcd display and uh, it shows three feeds from these three cameras. And in case these cameras fail, the, these uh, hybrid system works just like a traditional rear-view mirror. That's uh, interesting, right?
0: Yeah, but now I would like to talk about a bigger name, Amazon. And while it sounds a little odd that again, I'm coming to Amazon for car, they have announced a partnership with Lamborghini under which Alexa will be integrated into the infotainment system
1: of Lamborghini Huracan Evo. And I found the video they showcased at the expo pretty interesting because they showed the possibilities of Alexa's deeper integration into the infotainment system. And it goes way beyond than just controlling your audio and navigation. And you can basically uh, control uh, the car's dynamics, not just your in-car controls. You can also control your uh, smart devices at your home, like your smart garage door. You can just use Alexa to open it remotely.
0: Right, but this is for the Lamborghini. I mean, realistically, it is a very small subset of the car ecosystem. For others, they already have this Amazon Eco Auto. And uh, at the CES, they announced that they'll be launching it in India. In fact, they've already launched it on January fifteenth, And that honestly seems like a half-hearted attempt at getting into more cars. So in India, this device is priced at 5,000 rupees, which uh, comes out to around 80 dollars. And what you have to do to use it in your existing car is first, plug the cable into the 3.5 mm input. Second, connect it to the uh, the cigarette charger power supply port. And on the third step, download the Alexa app on your phone. Fourth step, pair your phone with the device. I mean, that is a lot of effort. And for what? It This device doesn't even have a screen. It simply uses voice commands that call Alexa to play your music or schedule your
1: meetings. Doesn't it sound like we are back in the FM transmitter days? Yeah,
0: it more or less does because I'm connecting two cables, then pairing it to my phone. It doesn't even have a data connection of its own. It is using up my phone data. So I'm not really sure why one should be buying this device. And And this, I'm not talking as someone who knows Amazon is trying to transition people into using Alexa, but rather as a consumer. Like, what exactly is the value I'm gaining out of this?
1: And if the entire complicated setup completely relies on your phone, I think the whole point is lost. It's just a glorified mic. Exactly. If the
0: entire objective of this whole exercise is to have voice control in your car, why not just use Android Auto on your phone? I mean, for 5000 bucks, you can get a basic phone, leave it all the time on your car with the Android Auto app open, which also has a lot more services that you use on a daily basis. Like, for a long time, I've been using Google's suite of applications for uh, my calendar and everything. It would be hard for someone like me to move away from that to a new structure. I, I understand it, it works great for people who have already adopted alexa in their homes with eco devices but then again uh, this would simply be expanding the services for them only and not really reaching a lot of new users to top that up it is not really adding a lot of value in my car i still have to look at my phone for navigation i still have to pull out my phone if i want to find a place and I am obviously speaking from experience because I use the, the setup I'm talking about in a very basic hatchback that I have. Now, it comes with Bluetooth, it comes with good speakers and already has a mic on the steering wheel. So all I have to do is simply use the Android Auto app on my phone, put it on the dashboard and I have a interface, a screen optimized for driving, which simply has my music and my navigation there, and of course, we know Google Maps is the default choice for navigation. And I can use voice commands using the steering, the steering-mounted mic that already comes in the car. And even if you're not comfortable with the idea of putting your phone in the car, which you anyway have to do with both the options we are talking about here, you can actually spend a little more and upgrade to a head unit from a lot of aftermarket manufacturers for uh, to have uh, Android Auto and Apple CarPlay compatible head unit. So basically what I'm trying to say is that it makes a lot of sense if it is coming integrated in your car dashboard or if it comes by default with the aftermarket head unit that you installed. But as it is now, it makes absolutely no sense for me at all. And it seems that I'm not the only one saying this because I went to the Amazon US website to see what kind of reviews the product is getting. And am I really the only one seeing the problem with this? And I noticed that 27% of the reviews were either one star or two star where people were simply cursing, them for, for cur- cursing the device for being pointless.
1: I guess we both agree that this product is destined to fail in this country. And I guess that covers everything that caught our eye from this year's CES. So thanks for listening and goodbye.